Do not be terrified. The readings today sound like something from CNN or Wolf Blitzer or somebody, the uh, craziness of what they are, whatever media person you follow. But I think that most of you remember that in these late fall days, next weekend is Christ the King, and then we start Advent, we start over again. In these late fall days, we always have these end time readings. We call it apocalyptic literature. And so it gets us thinking about probably, yes, the end of all time, but it should get us thinking about the end of our time because it's going to happen to all of us. We shouldn't be surprised. And so in the readings, this first one from Malachi, uh, and it says, uh, you know, the day's coming blazing like an oven. And it puts into perspective how we live in the meantime, in these days, huh? And uh, what's going to happen to me is going to happen to the whole world. But it reminds us that every day for each one of us is always a choice between good and bad, between light and darkness. And so that's why the, we have the old saying, live every day as if it was your last, because there's a lot of truth to that. But it really depends on kind of how you look at your perspective in life, what your perspective or vision of life is. It's interesting, sometimes people say, oh, you know, if you do this, God will send you to hell. God is not going to send you to hell. You're going to buy your own ticket, bought and paid for. And you're making payments every day. So it shouldn't be a surprise at the end of time. Because it's how we live our life. And that's why the day-to-day -day becomes important. In the end, we get what we choose. So that's why this reading from Thessalonians today uh, is just really a, a, a great one. Uh, but it's in a passage a section from 2 Thessalonians that talks about neglect of work. Now you need to understand a little bit about what this book was about. So in the early church, there was a group of people who believed, they, they knew that Jesus was going to come again. They thought it was going to be pretty quick. And because of that, they quit their jobs and, and were kind of hanging around and kind of waiting for the end times to happen. And uh, most of you remember Y2K. Do you remember that? You know, we were getting ready for the year 2000, and oh my God, we were worried, and your computer's going to blow up and have a meltdown. And guess what? We woke up on January 2nd. People sold their businesses. They were committing Harry Carey. There was all this craziness going on. And so at this time, there were some people who were thinking that the end was going to come pretty soon. And so they turned into slugs. And so that's where this whole situation is about, you know, those who do not work should not eat. Get back to business. And it's that day-to-day -day existence that you and I don't find very attractive. It's pretty easy. You get up, you work, you get tired, you go home, you go to bed, you get up, you go to work, you get tired, you go home, you go to bed. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the day in and day out, but that's where you and I are called to live. It's not, life is not always exciting. St. Benedict called it ora et labora, pray and work. It's, it's kind of like the cycle of our life. And so with that in mind, then, we remind ourselves that God's not just a God of Sunday nights. God's a God of every day. And so how does that look each and every day? So that brings us to this spectacular gospel tonight from the, the 21st chapter of Luke. And it's talking about the destruction of the temple and the signs of the end. 
And so Jesus is having a conversation and they're standing outside the temple and saying, oh, we have such a beautiful temple and it's, it's ordained with, or, or kind of a, uh, decorated with all these jewels and stones. And Jesus said, you know all this stuff here? It's really great. It's all going to be gone. There's a time coming when not even a stone of this is going to be left standing. Well, then it gets their attention. They go, um, when's this going to happen? Because we always want to know when. We don't want to be prepared for things. So if Jesus talks about these signs of the end, then how are we to interpret this? Well, I think that for some of us, we'd like to believe that the world's getting to be a better place. And so, really, the only place that keeps progressing almost automatically is technology. I mean, it almost happens on its own, where new things being invented, new things happening all the time, it's wonderful stuff. But really, when you look at about anything else, it's not true. So you look at things like, are we happier than we were in centuries before? We have the highest suicide rate in history. Are we wiser than people before in other centuries? So who's the new St. Augustine? Where's Socrates? Who's Plato these days? Not. Are we emotionally healthier than we were in earlier times? We got more psychologists and psychiatrists than we've ever had in our lives. Do we have stronger families? We have the highest divorce rate in the history of the nation. The staff from the pastorate, most of the staff went to an evangelization workshop three weeks ago. And the young guy who was talking to us about the changes and the challenges of evangelization today said one of the big shifts that we don't really realize is we are now leaving a time when Christendom, Christianity, was the worldview, was the operative way of looking at things. And that's no longer the case. You can no longer assume that people believe in God. You can no longer assume that people have any kind of a relationship with a, with a spiritual being. That's kind of in the rearview mirror. And so when Jesus talks about, in the, the last part of this reading, about things like false messiahs, gee, we already have had that. You remember Jim Jones? Do you remember Charles Manson? Okay, self-proclaimed messiahs. I'll never forget seeing Jim Jones on, on the evening news one night. He had a gun in one hand and a Bible in the other. By golly, there's the kind of church I'd like to attend. Wars and insurrections. Every day, something else is breaking out someplace else. Natural disasters that we experience as human beings, and unfortunately, a lot of them are because of our neglect of the environment. You get one disease cured and another one happens. Hello, COVID, where did you come from? But the one that really shocked me in doing some reading for this weekend is when Jesus said, you will be hated on account of me. They'll hand you over your parents, brothers and relatives and friends and put some of you to death. This shocked me. But according to the th what I read in this source, there were more people martyred for their faith in the 20th century than the 19 preceding centuries. More people died because of their faith than the 19 preceding centuries. And what are we doing? Nothing, we say, oh, it's too bad what's happening in Africa. 
It's too, it's too bad what's happening in Central or South America. It's too bad what's happening in Ukraine, but we don't do anything about it. That's the bad news. So do we just <laughs> slam the Bible and go home and say forget it? No, no, we don't. But the question tonight is this. How do we as Christians respond to this? So if we are wringing our hands and are just as negative and crappy as everybody else, then we've already lost the battle. Pope Francis says to us, you cannot call yourself a Christian if you're not a person of hope. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you're not a person of hope. And so in the readings today, Jesus gives us at least two reasons in this particular gospel passage. First one is this. He said, don't worry about your defense. I'm going to give you a wisdom that nobody can argue with. And this isn't a wisdom that comes from books or college or anything else. This is a wisdom that comes from prayer. Getting on your knees and saying, God, I don't know what the heck's going on, and I don't have an answer to this, but you've got to help me. That's the wisdom that comes from above. And then the last line is really wonderful. He says, by patient endurance, you will secure your lives. He didn't say save your lives because we don't save our lives. But eternal life is secured. By patient endurance, you will secure your lives. It's that day-to-day -day stuff. But, you know, we get so distracted and we get so overcome with dumb stuff. It's so easy to give up. You don't like something about the church or about your faith or something, and so you just get mad and you give up. You don't do anything about it. It's, it's really easy to criticize or go to a church where there's a lot more entertainment. The pastor doesn't talk near as long as the one here does, and you can have a latte during the service and kind of lull yourself into kind of a, a, a great sense of feeling. No. It's not avoiding things. It's engaging things. So we shouldn't be surprised at the little aggravations that we have to put up with day to day because it's really part of living. I think that somehow Christianity has taught people or at least implied that, you know, if I say my prayers and if I put $2 in the collection once a month, I'll never have any problems. And then when you do have big problems, you get mad, kick the machine and go someplace else. Well, that's not realistic. Our faith is not an insurance policy against things happening. But it's a promise that no matter what happens, we will survive and we will get through them and we will never be alone. The struggle is real. The battle's real. The battle's real. And yet sometimes we get so nitpicky, you know, and to me, and I remind myself of this sometimes as well, but you know, people are dying. And we nitpick about the dumbest, most insignificant things that we should be ashamed of. None of you had to dodge bullets tonight coming to church unless some hunter needs to get his sight fixed on his gun. Um, but there are people who are murdered in, in the world every day because they go to church. Not us. We're mad because it's not at the right time. Or we don't like the songs they sing. And as I said, I think a couple weeks ago, there's that saying that we've heard a million times, be kinder than necessary because everybody's fighting some kind of a battle. Oh my God, that's true. I am amazed as I talk to parishioners sometimes and they tell me the stuff they're dealing with and I go, oh honey, I don't know how you're surviving. I'm amazed at what people's faith can do. So where does it leave us? I think it's this. We need to get real. 
Let's focus on the stuff that's important and not all this other stuff that we spend time and emotional drama and energy on. We need to be people of hope, like Francis said. Otherwise, we can't really call ourselves Christians. So yes, sometimes the news, just like the gospel today, can be very intimidating, can be pretty scary sometimes about what the world looks like. But we have to remind ourselves that Christ is going to have the last word. You either believe that or you don't. Maybe that's why the thing in the New Testament that Jesus said more than anything else was be not afraid. That's a promise.